and welcome to the Narrow Road Podcast, a place to share the journey of walking with God on the narrow road that leads to life. I hope that you find rest and encouragement here, but above all, the awareness that you're not alone on the way. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Narrow Road Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Bowyer, and it's my pleasure to be back with you for another episode. I'm still adjusting to the fact that our study in the book of Luke is finished, and yeah, we have new roads to traverse, new concepts to wrestle with, new histories to re-examine. But today I was just thinking about something that really uh, stays with me as I go through every day on this podcast, really. Just the ache for more of God. I don't know about you, but I go through, I I mean, thus far in about 15 years of walking with God, I've noticed that I go through different seasons. And in this particular season, so many of the spiritual disciplines and just ways that I would connect with him in the past just don't work. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> it's I, I, mean, I mean, I'm sure there's someone listening as soon as I said that being like, oh, they always work or... You know, there's no such thing as spiritual disciplines not working, not connecting us to God or reconnecting us to God. But it's how it feels, you know. I remember, and of course you you blame yourself and you think like, what sin is in my life? What unforgiveness is in my life? And I, I, that's at least that's my default, is always to be like, there's something I'm not doing or there's something that I've done that has, you know, pulled him away from me or me away from him. And and I don't discount that that's probably true to some degree, but I also know that if 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 I can look back on my walk with him at any point, I found that he just has a way of of letting us go off into the wilderness, right? Or leading us into the wilderness and changing his form in a in a way or pulling back just a little bit and it isn't because we've done anything wrong it isn't because there's some secret sin in our life we're just not aware of we're not just in pride and rebellion it's just how he grows us how he prunes us one of the many ways but i you know i don't i don't like it and <laughs> Uh, it's hard. It's hard because I am in past wilderness seasons. I would find that, you know, I, my, my typical go-to in previous wilderness seasons was listening to an inundation of worship music and praying pretty much nonstop. Like not that it resulted in profound encounters or anything, but it's like, that's like, I needed to do that to, make myself feel like I was still trying or I was showing up or I was doing what I needed to do regardless of the fact that it didn't feel like God was saying or doing anything I needed to show my consistency 
And I don't know why in this particular wilderness season I haven't done that, but I haven't done that. And um, this is just me being really vulnerable. I haven't utterly turned off all worship music or completely stopped praying. No, definitely not. But I haven't felt that internal push to prove myself or commit to these disciplines day in and day out like I would do in the past, especially on the mountaintop, but even in the wilderness to sort of continue to prove my devotion. In fact, when I would try to listen to worship music, and this isn't entirely, but this was a lot of the last three years, not less so recently, but for a lot of the last three years, I would listen to my go-to worship songs. You know, you've got those groups, or you've got those songs that like, no matter what, they just take you into a space with the Lord, or they bring you into peace. And it was like nails on a chalkboard. I couldn't listen to the songs. I couldn't finish the songs. And so I was like, okay, (laughs) Um, I, maybe I need to get out into the wilderness. The wilderness is going to be it. And maybe God's going to speak to me through the wilderness or I need to work out more. And if, when I work out, God's going to like speak to me through the activity. Like, I mean, I got to this place where I was like, all right, so like, he's not speaking through the same things. Um, maybe I need to, you know, try to give him space to speak through a different means. And I'll be darned if none of it worked. And what I what it what it resulted in me so far, and I'm still trying to find that like thing for me, actually, it has proven to be over the course of the last six, eight months, it has actually been the Bible, reading the Bible that hasn't necessarily brought me into like encounters or into the space where disciplines used to bring me in the past, but it has done something to me that I haven't experienced spiritually in a long, long, long time. I don't know how, but the Bible was something that I started out in my walk with God, extremely passionate and obsessed with. And then like the last half of my walk with God, it sort of took second place to worship, to prayer. And I mean, realistically, when you watch Jesus' example, he knew the Bible or the Bible of the time. He knew the scriptures. He knew the Torah of the time. But worship and prayer, and specifically prayer, was how he maintained his relationship with God. So I don't think that there is some kind of, you know, higher authority on, oh, Bible's more important than prayer. Prayer is more important than Bible. Like, I don't, I don't think that. I think that God uses different tools and different modes to deepen his people and connect with his people as he sees fit but the bible really took a back seat for me and i think i arrogantly began feeling like oh like i had read it so much that i was like oh, i just know the bible like it's in me i don't really need to study it i can take a break from studying it it can supplement me at times but like i know the word and man no no, 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 that's a, that's a, that's a weird attitude, and it's not a good attitude, and I regret that attitude, and, but God in his mercy has sort of brought me full circle, and I have really, 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 really appreciated spending time in the word, and relearning, and newly learning things about the Lord from a mature, and a 
battle-hardened perspective that perhaps I didn't have when I was super in it, you know, years and years ago. Um, But that all being said, it's still a wilderness season. It is still a wilderness season. And I still find myself falling into that trap of, of, God, I want so much more of you. I need so much more of you. What can I do? That's the trap. The needing and wanting God isn't the trap. (laughs) It's the what can I do to conjure you up? What can I do to force your hand? And I've been searching the scriptures for literally that. What can I do? And but yet when I try to do the things I would do, like, let me just sit here and like meditate. Let me just sit here and like worship for a long time. Let me pray. Let me pray. It's like it is it just feels so laborious. It feels like there's no grace on it. It feels like there's no point. And I know that's crazy because there's always like we always pray, right? Pray without ceasing. So I'm like, what is this resistance and this feelings of like ineffectiveness? And I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> I don't have an answer for you except that it's like it's got to be seasonal. And all I see, where like this is why I read the Psalms because so- David is so relatable. He's just like, God, where are you? You know, like, turn your face upon me. Why do you like deny me? You know, like clearly this is something that God does. And the only piece I can... I can find in it the only like the resolution I can come up with is my roots are going deeper like that's just it when 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 he's not pouring himself out on you and raining on you and shining on you that your roots are having to go deeper because they're searching for those nutrients they're searching for that water and in the searching they're going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the soil and rooting you down even more because in these seasons it is so easy to just turn away from God. Like that would be the easiest solution and try to find some kind of peace or just enjoyment or distraction or sense of fulfillment anywhere else that you can get that instant gratification from. You can get that instant connection. That would be the easier thing to do. I mean, I couldn't imagine it, but you know, it it could. And I think, I think far, far more people do that than we realize. And and maybe inadvertently we have done that. Maybe I have done that for the last three years in varying forms of being like, you know what, this is hard. <laughs> I'm going to go over here because this feels better. But the truth of the matter is, is I keep, I'm always longing for him. I'm always, always longing for him. And I fantasize about those mountaintop experiences and those years that came and went in and out of wilderness seasons, but they came and they went and and I fantasize about them because they were so illustrious. They were so fulfilling. They were so exciting. They were so full of peace. Even though they were speckled with hard times inside of them, it was like those hard times just like bounced off. They didn't they almost hurt me more thinking about them after I was down off the mountaintop than they hurt me in the moment because I was literally like walking rubber. Everything bounced off of me because I was utterly living in heaven. <laughs> and yeah, I just, you can't help but fantasize about those things, eh? 
And when I'm reading the life of Jesus and I'm seeing his disciples and I'm just thinking like, oh my God, those men had no idea. They were on the mountaintop for three years. Did they even know? Did they suck out every inch of those moments for what they were? Mm. Yeah, because when you're down in that wilderness, and for me, it has been, oh my gosh, it has been really since the since the car fire in Reading in what, July 2018, is where I feel like I went into the wilderness. And I am still there. I'm telling you what, <laughs> I'm still there. I have never been in a season where it feels like the Lord is so far for so long, so quiet for so long. And yeah, so this is like, this is just me being like really honest in this podcast. This is the narrow road, okay? It's hard <laughs> sometimes, especially when you have something to compare it to, you know, like if it was if it was like this from the moment I met the Lord and it was just always like this, it would be like, OK, you know, I'm just going to continue on with my religious disciplines and, you know, just continue to love and trust this God that I serve. But I I know seasons, I know years of extreme closeness, eyelash to eyelash level intimacy with Jesus and passion, obsession, pure, raw joy, like boldness, faith. And then when you're in this kind of a space for this long, you know, if I didn't have something to compare it to, I would just be trodden on through, you know, but when you have something to compare it to, you have something to miss, something to ache for. And inadvertently, if you're someone like me, you're like, what did I do? How do I get him back? Uh, when is he going to come back? Maybe he's never going to come back. <laughs> you know, maybe I maybe I've done something unforgivable. <laughs> and, you know, and you just go down this rabbit list and then you wear yourself out and you come back to his grace and mercy of like, no, that's not who he is. <laughs> um, but you 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 pray and ache for these days to shorten. For these days to shorten. So this is a really long lead up to an article <laughs> that I wanted to read you by read you by a spiritual teacher and an author named John Bloom and the title is give me more of god <laughs> why spiritual intimacy can feel elusive um yeah and I just wanted to read this to us because I'm hoping it encourages me I'm hoping it encourages you if any part of this because I if any of part of this sticks or resounds with you because the name of this podcast is important because the narrow road has so many has so many aspects to it that speaks to the elusiveness of a lot of things the loneliness the sorrow the 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 difficulty, the solitude, the intensity even of, of a walk with God. And I, and I chose the name on purpose to call out to a certain type of believer. A believer who knows the highs and the lows. The, the, the abundance and the sacrifice of walking with God. Because in that that's the type of community I want to build with and know because that's authentic faith. 
(laughs) That's the reality of walking with Jesus. It is not all rainbows and butterflies. It is not all easy because of the world that we live in and his methods of growing and pruning us, which we can trust in, but that doesn't mean we will understand. And that doesn't mean that it always feels nice. And I just don't want to live in fairy tale Christianity where we don't acknowledge all that, all of it, and still stay in that love for him. And I know that communities of people who get it can support each other and love each other so much more really then if we all just like, isn't God great? And slap each other on the back with these fake smiles. Like, he is great, but like, it's also legit difficult at times. And it can feel he is elusive. It can feel that the hunger we have for him isn't coming at the pace we want it to. Or it's not coming in the ways it came before. And, you know, I've heard every piece of advice. Well, listen for him. You know, he's going to give me a different way. He's speaking to you through a different way. He's speaking to you through people in this season. Oh, try this, try that. I literally, I've heard it all. And my mind is tired (laughs) of trying to figure out the elusive way he's speaking. And that's when I get to this place of like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to read the Bible. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to every day acknowledge him that's what I can do that's what I can do I acknowledge you Jesus that you are the Lord and Savior of my life and I'm going to read of your I'm going to read your stories and I'm going to hold on to them as the monuments that have been built in remembrance of you and your goodness and I'm going to trust you that you're faithful and you don't just leave us on the narrow road so I want more of him Right, I want more of him in this dry wasteland that is life at the moment. And so I just want to read to us. Let's just read this article together. If you can relate to any of this, let's see if it brings comfort. Let's see if it gives us anything we can appreciate um, and add to our lives. So let's go. All right, as I said, it's called Give Me More of God, Why Spiritual Intimacy Can Feel Elusive by John Bloom. Deep in the heart of every true disciple of Jesus is a deep longing for more of God. But what is this more we desire? We might each describe our want somewhat differently depending on how this longing refracts through our biology, history, and theological influences. To some degree, none of us have words for it. But at the core, what we desire is to really know God, to know Him in the intimate ways that only love knows. And we have this desire because by God, God's unfathomable grace towards us in Christ, He first has known and loved us. It is His great desire, one He expresses in the promise of Jeremiah's great prophecy, quoted in full in Hebrews 8, which reads, This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. 
At the heart of the new covenant is God's great desire that we shall all know him. You don't need to know Hebrew or Greek to discern the knowing God desires. It is the knowing of relational intimacy, of deep friendship, the kind of knowing that only love knows. For to truly know God is to love God. The role of love in intimately knowing someone is profound. On one hand, we cannot intimately love someone we do not know, so knowledge must precede love. But on the other hand, the deep love of of intimate friendship is the door to even deeper knowledge of the beloved, because intimate friends entrust themselves and so disclose more of themselves to each other. So there is an intimate knowledge accessible only through the deep love that results from and produces even more profound trust. We see one illustration of this dynamic in play at the end of John 6, when, as a result of hearing Jesus say offensive-sounding things, many of his wider group of disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. But the twelve didn't leave him. Why? Because, to use Peter's words, that they had come to know that he was the Holy One of God. For eleven of them, this knowledge wasn't merely intellectual. They had come to love him and trust him, even when he confused them. And because they trusted him, Jesus disclosed to them secrets of the kingdom he didn't disclose to others. To really know Jesus was to really love Jesus. To really know Jesus was to really love Jesus, which was the door to knowing Jesus more. This is what Jesus is getting at when he later says to them, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Notice the simplicity in those words. Jesus will manifest himself to whoever loves him. And two sentences later, he says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. If we love Jesus, both the Father and the Son will manifest themselves to us through the Spirit of truth who dwells in us. These are precious and very great promises. The way to know the triune God intimately to experience the relational communion promised in the new covenant is not complex. Jesus calls us to keep his commandments or keep his word, which is essentially what he means when he says, believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus doesn't give us a list of rituals, aesthetic rigors, detailed prayer requirements, long pilgrimages, meditative practices, or instructions for creating special aesthetic environments to experience communion with him and the Father through the Spirit. The way is simple. Believe in me. Oof. That's good. The way may be simple to understand, but as Jesus says elsewhere, the way is hard that leads to life. The complexity and difficulty for us come not from the way itself, but from the evil we face, the internal evil of our unbelief or little faith, combined with the effects of remaining sin dwelling in our members, and the external evil existing in a world that lies in the power of the evil one. Learning to overcome the obstacles presented to us by our sin-infected flesh and the devil-filled world is very hard indeed. But the way to more deeply knowing, loving, and trusting God is by faithfully persevering through the great difficulties and through receiving God's grace of forgiveness when we fail. 
For God uses these difficulties as opportunities to manifest more dimensions of himself to us. Through tribulations, we experience that Jesus has overcome the world, that his grace is sufficient in our weakness, and that he is able to make all grace abound to us, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, we may abound in every good work. We come to know more of him. Through this hard way that leads to life, we also repeatedly encounter the reality that God is true to his living and active word, and we discover that the reality we're encountering is not merely a set of propositions, but a person, Jesus, who is the living word. We discover, in fact, that Jesus is the way that leads to him, the life. And when it comes to our practical pursuit of God, we discover that the Lord most often and most profoundly reveals himself to us by the word of the Lord. It's possible that this may strike you as disappointing, as if the secret to intimacy with God is read your Bible more. Because what you long for is something more. You want to be near God and to encounter him more personally than you seem to experience when you read your Bible or hear God's word preached and taught and discussed. If so, your disappointment could be resulting from one or all of the following possibilities. First, it's possible that your exposure to God's word has outpaced your obedience to it. Ooh, boy. A familiar and accurate grasp of God's word is only as good as your behavior determining belief in it. Jesus said that Jesus said this to some of the most frequent Bible readers of his day. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Jesus discloses himself intimately only to those who keep his word. It's worth prayerful examination. Second, it's possible you have a misconception of what intimacy with God should feel like, which has given rise to expectations based on a kind of fantasy, not unlike the unreal expectations we can bring to romantic love or deep human friendships. Remember, our most intimate marriages and closest friendships usually result from a few intense experiences that punctuate many ordinary times that all build trust and deepen love. Third, it's possible we might think that the word of the Lord is a poor substitute for the Lord's manifest personal presence. And in a sense, of course, that's true. But think of what makes your most intimate, manifestly present friends so meaningful. Ultimately, the words through which you disclose yourselves to each other in mutual trust, along with the promises you faithfully keep, create the intimacy you enjoy. So it is with God. Man, that's so good. That is so good. Mm. But it's also possible that your longing for more is your inconsolable longing to be with your beloved, the longing all true disciples of Jesus experience. You have come to know Jesus and love him and trust him, but you are keenly and sometimes painfully aware that the wonderful disclosures God has made to you are like a splash of the ocean of joy you someday will swim in. You're aware that now you only see in a mirror dimly what he's revealed to you, that now you know only in part, but later you will know fully, even as you have been fully known. There's part of you that's weary of the betrothal phase of your relationship with Jesus and you long for the wedding when the full marriage will at last be consummated. For most of us, our discontent with our current level of intimacy with God comes from a mixture of the above, slowness to obey, 
misconceptions of what leads to our desired intimacy, and a longing that will be realized only when we finally see our beloved face to face. But all these causes are reasons for great hope, because they all point to the fact that there truly is more. There is more of God to know, more of God to love, and more ways we can deepen our trust and intimacy with Him through faithfully keeping His word. Whatever the cause of our longing, the Spirit is stirring in us a desire that comes from God, because it's His great desire, the very heart of the new covenant, that we all really know Him. And someday, perhaps sooner than we think, God will bring to pass His precious and very great promise. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and his, and his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest." In the meantime, let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. Well, goodness me, that's about one of the best things I think I've ever read read in my whole life outside the Bible. <laughs> that was a absolutely gorgeous article and spoke exactly to me. And you know what? I didn't even read it in advance of this podcast, which is probably makes me a bad podcaster (laughs) that you know I didn't vet my materials first but I just trusted it I don't know I trusted it and I wanted to like learn from it in real time as I was actually reading it to you so we could experience it together and argue with it if it rubbed me wrong but it did not it was so convicting and so true and so lovely like it just felt warm it felt warm to me hearing that And it's so interesting that he pointed out, go back to the Bible, go back to the Bible. (laughs) And that's exactly what the Lord has been doing in me for these last, you know, six months, eight months, is go back to the, the, the basics. Go back to the basics of the Bible. You'll never outgrow it. Oh my goodness. He just had so much good in this. And he says, when he's talking about your disappointment, um, you know, he says it's possible that this may strike you as disappointing, as if the secret to intimacy with God is read your Bible more. Because what you long for is something more. You long for something more than that. <laughs> you know, it kind of lets you down. You're like, well, oh, man, read my Bible more. But like, but it's so interesting that he says there's reasons why you might feel that disappointment. And it's he says, first, it's possible that your exposure to God's word has outpaced your obedience to it. Like, oh my gosh, that is like a line. It's possible that your exposure to God's word has outpaced your obedience to it. Oh, man. Then he says, second, it's possible you have a misconception of what intimacy with God should feel like, which has given rise to expectations based on a kind of fantasy, not unlike the unreal expectations we can bring to romantic love or deep human friendships. Oh, man. That, like, he's hitting me. You know, he is just hitting me with, that's me. That's a point. (laughs) That's a problem for me. That's another problem for me. And he says, third, and this one, oh my goodness, it's possible we might think that the word of the Lord is a poor substitute for the Lord's manifest personal presence. And in a sense, of course, that's true. But think of what makes your most intimate, manifestly present friends so meaningful. Ultimately, the words through which you disclose yourselves 
to each other in mutual trust, along with the promises you faithfully keep, create the intimacy you enjoy. So it is with God. Oh my gosh. That is one of the most deep metaphors I've ever read. I don't know why that is so profound to me, but I think that hits me so hard because I have experienced the manifest presence of God many times in my life and it's like nothing else will do, you know, like nothing else will do, nothing will satisfy, anything less than that feels like I'm failing in some area because it is absolute like it is it is the only paradise we get to enjoy on this earth is the manifest presence of God and so anything else spiritually just doesn't suffice, I can't accept it. And he's saying, like, I get that. You might think that the word of the Lord, as in the Bible, is a poor substitute for the Lord's manifest personal presence. And he's like, and of course, that's true. It is true. It doesn't matter. It doesn't measure up. But think of what makes your most intimate, manifestly present friends so meaningful. It's the words that you share with each other and the promises you faithfully keep that create the intimacy you enjoy. Now, is there anything better than when I have the manifest presence of God in my room speaking words of life to me? Absolutely not. But what happens when he's not manifestly present? What happens when he's not speaking? He's not actively right now speaking to me in a way that I can perceive. He's always speaking through the Bible. He's always speaking through the Bible because the truth is, and I hate to admit it, but it is what my life has shown me thus far is he doesn't speak to me all the time. He doesn't manifest himself to me all the time. Jesus said he will manifest himself to those who love him, but he didn't say constantly 24-7. And that has been... I don't know if that makes me a petulant child. I don't know if that makes me entitled. I don't know. (laughs) But once he exposed me to his manifest presence, it was like, you know, give me more now. (laughs) And I have never been able to handle well the absence of that, certainly at length. I mean, we're going on, what, four and a half years? I don't even know. What, What is June, July 2018 to whatever what what time is it October 2022 now we're on that's a long time that's a long time without his manifest presence but in these times when he confuses we trust we obey And we go back to the Bible. (laughs) We go back to the Bible. And it's like, man, you know, I feel like like a little kid, like, kicking rocks. (laughs) And it's like, that's so unfair. Like, it is this gift that, like, what a gift to have the Bible. But it is hard. And yet, I have found it giving me so much life. Like, it's hard to accept, like, okay, God, you're not going to talk to me the way you've normally talked to me, so I guess I'll go read the Bible. But it's there for a reason. And he knows what he's doing. And I am just so encouraged by this article because I feel like this man knows exactly what I'm feeling 
and he's lived it himself maybe many, many, many times, and he is writing from such a place of deep lived experience and deep, deep wisdom. Um, so, <laughs> if you want to read this article for yourself, just type in, it's on the Desiring God website, but just type in, Give Me More of God by John Bloom, J-O-N, B-L-O-O-M, if you want this article for yourself, because I just think it's something that I literally need to print out and reread for a, a long time to just remember it's all part of it. And in a way, the longing and the aching, even if I feel like I'm not doing enough or whatever those lies, whatever that that Martha mindset says to me of I need to do more I need to do more like regardless of all of that the fact that I have the longing it's a good thing eh it means what did he say what did he say at the very end uh sorry let me find it It's also possible that your longing for more is your inconsolable longing to be with your beloved, the longing all true disciples of Jesus experience. Mm. There's part of you that's weary of the betrothal phase of your relationship with Jesus as you long for the wedding when the full marriage will at last be consummated. Oh my gosh, he writes beautifully. But that's it, you know, like just just having the longing. I think sometimes I can get so caught up in the the unfulfilledness of my longing, what I don't have, the lack. Like I don't have more passion or hunger for his presence or I'm not doing enough or why aren't you showing up, God? I thought you were good. Where are you? You know, why aren't you talking to me? I can focus so much on the lack, both on the lack of what I'm doing, the lack of what he's doing, the lack of whatever. But actually, I think turning my mindset around and just appreciating that I even long for it. There's something powerful about longing for him. That that in and of itself is evidence of hunger, of deep love, of our alienness on this planet and our ache for our true home. It is probably a longing we will never escape. I know on those mountaintop seasons, I can really, really escape that longing because it feels as close to heaven as I can personally comprehend because I don't know what heaven feels like. So I can't long for that. And that, and when I'm on the mountaintop with him, because it feels like I'm in heaven, I'm with him. So I escape the longing in those moments, in those days, weeks, months, or years. But when you eventually drop off the mountaintop, <laughs> for whatever reason, when you come down, that ache starts to grow. And for me, that ache has usually been such a hindrance. It's been such a, you know, like it feels problematic. It feels like I... How can I get rid of this ache as quickly as possible? But that ache is evidence of something, right? It's evidence of our longing for the place we truly belong, that even on those mountaintop experiences with God, it isn't the fullness. We see in a mirror dimly. So it isn't the fullness. 
We're aching not just to be back on the mountaintop, but we're aching for something so much greater than the mountaintop experiences with God we can have while on this planet, confined to these earthly bodies and understandings. So, okay, I am just really glad I read that article over us. And this has been just a really honest and a really vulnerable podcast episode for me today. But it's the truth. It's the truth. It's the it's what's been stirring and brewing in me as we've been pressing in and reading the Bible together. Um, and I don't know if it's relatable to you at all, but, you know, I'm the host of this podcast and it's probably good for you to know me and know where I'm at because then you can make a good decision for yourself if you want to keep listening and carrying on down this narrow road for yourself. But yeah, that's me today. Moral of the story, read your Bible. It's It doesn't compare to his manifest presence, but if he's not manifestly present, take the runner-up. Take the runner-up option. Don't forsake it and just stay there brooding and just praying harder. (laughs) Maybe take what he has given you in the form of his word and let that feed you until he comes again, because he will come again. So I bless you for a hunger, a new hunger, uh, and 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 an aching for the word of God on paper. Let that feed you till he comes again. You'll never stop aching for the for the real thing, for the for the manifest presence of God. You're never going to stop aching for that. But I bless you with a hunger for the word to deepen you and get you by, but deepen you. Learn him in a, in a different way that the Bible teaches. Yeah, I bless you with that in Jesus' name. I thank you for listening to this episode of the Narrow Road Podcast. And I will be back with you tomorrow as we continue 365 days of podcasting. So catch me on the podcast tomorrow and we will chat then. Thanks and bye-bye.